0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho, Duro, Parlay, Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Not gonna lie. Feeling pretty mid. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's for one person who listens and you know who you are. Shoutouts. Shoutouts indeed. But we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so let's not waste any more time. Shall we? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and go to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You definitely want to meet all the ODPH panel. See, I get so amped up talking about the site because there's so much going on there. Social media accounts. You've got parlay points, blog sections up there. A new Blogs Count Anywhere is out right now. The Directory, the T Public Store, rumor has it... It's that time of the month. A oh, sale is going on. Ah. So you definitely don't want to miss the deals going on there. Go get some ODPH pod swag, the directory, the classified section. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can be found at odphpodcast.com. But kicking off the sports edition of the ODPH, we are now getting ready to enter week two mm-hmm. of the Triple H era. How do we define this, pad? I think Triple
1: H era is until uh, they name it otherwise, you know. Because we had the Vince era, we had the you know the old school era, I guess you could say, you know, with the Hogans and the Macho Mans. You know, we had the Attitude era, we had the ruthless aggression era. You know, we had the PG era. You know, then we had then we had the uh, what was it? The new era they called where all the fans are in control, and that really didn't happen. So I think for now, until we hear otherwise or we hear something better, Triple H era
0: works. Yeah, we can call it the NXT 3.0. 3.0 works for me because. <laughs> What he has done in a week since he has now taken over creative control of WWE Mm -hmm. has sent shockwaves throughout the wrestling community. Yeah. The fans are excited. You're seeing this new energy come to the WWE programming that we haven't seen in quite some time. Yeah. And we knew this was going to happen, obviously, with Triple H taking over the reins from Vince McMahon, who has stepped down and obviously Mm -hmm. has his own situation going on there. We knew as wrestling fans that things could only get better from here.
1: Well, and it's something that fans had been saying for God, maybe ten years, five ten years. That mm-hmm. oh, if only Triple H were in control of things, things would be so much better. And and it's easy to say it from one side of the coin, sure. right, where you're not happy with the product, you don't like the storylines they're doing, you don't like the finishes, whatever it is, you know. But then you get to the other side of the coin, and it, it can go one of two ways. You can either be you know really good. Or it can be kind of more what you're used to, you know. It's like a lot of things in life where you sit there and you go, "Oh, if only this would happen," you know. "Oh, if only, if only, you know, this person was my boss at work or something," you know, something like that. We're like, and then you get to the other side, and in a lot of instances, it could be good. In a lot of instances, might not be so good. You know, it's, it's a to be determined type of thing. But for the interim, you know, the time, you know, and obviously the first week is, I would say that honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like oh, things are fresh as a, as a daisy. They smell really good. You know, they look good. But we'll see as time goes on. We'll see when we get to the first, you know, Survivor Series and the first WrestleMania and, and the first Money in the Bank and, and some of the other milestone events of the year. You know, especially, the you know, the Hall of Fame. You know, will there be any changes to the Hall of Fame? Will some of those folks that, you know, folks, guys, girls, teams, you know, s- such as I know, I know uh, Lex Luger has made very public comments over the weekend that he'd like to get in,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: while he can still walk. Will we see that happen? You know, that's that's going to be all a, to be determined.
0: There's a lot to be determined, but this is one thing that has at least gotten the fans interested again. Yeah that obviously we know from Triple H's work with NXT and how that became the black and gold brand. and Mm -hmm. In some fans' eyes, the benchmark of how pro wrestling should be. Mine, for sure. I mean, it it goes without saying that those wrestlers that were down there and now are on the main rosters or in AEW definitely had those moments to break out and have that opportunity and really created a buzz for themselves that has carried on to wherever they are right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So that we are now transitioning into a phase where Triple H has more control over the overall product. Fans have been excited. Last week, we talked about how great Monday Night Raw was. Oh, yeah. And obviously, he carried that momentum into Friday night's SmackDown. So, Pad, let's recap that and give our thoughts about that.
1: Uh, yeah. So, one of the matches you had take place on the show was between uh, Happy Corbin and Ricochet, and you had Ricochet emerge victorious in pinfall in eleven minutes forty six seconds. It was a better match than I thought it would be. You know, had some inklings that Happy Corbin still hates uh, Pat McAfee mm-hmm. during the show. So, hey, that was that was always fun. Uh, but no, to see Ricochet get featured because you know I know a lot of folks over the course of Ricochet's tenure on the main roster, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, have been a little dissatisfied with his position in the company. That for as gifted as he is and as talented as he is, that his gifts and talents are very much squandered. So to see him get featured in a very prominent match, hey,
0: it was good to see. No, it's definitely good to see because obviously Ricochet is one of Triple H's guys. Mm-hmm. Like you know he has men and women on his roster that he really thinks very highly of and r- really pushes them to the moon. Like and, oh, yeah. and Ricochet is one of them. So to see this now transition over to the main roster is going to be something that fans are going to be excited about. And obviously, Ricochet is one of the most talented people you're going to see.
1: Facts. Uh, You had another matchup take place between Shinsuke Nakamura and uh, Ludwig Kaiser Mm -hmm. uh, for a chance. uh, If Shinsuke Nakamura emerged victorious, if I'm not mistaken, he would earn an opportunity at the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, And Shinsuke did emerge victorious. So, hey, always good to see, you know, much like we saw on Monday night with the United States Championship getting prominently featured. Like, hey, this isn't a secondary belt. You know, this isn't something to get lost in the background or forgotten. This is still a prominent belt. It was nice to see it get featured a
0: little bit. Absolutely. The fact that they're giving prestige to the mid-card titles, this is a huge deal. And obviously setting up something for Gunther, who they're very, very high on, obviously Mm -hmm. his, his work in NXT UK and even in NXT is very, very noteworthy. To see now him really start to break out on the main roster, that's a big thing, and seeing Nakamura be an opponent for him, that's going to be something big when they go to Clash at the Castle.
1: All we need is Rick Boogs back. Yes. Uh, Then you had a gauntlet match uh, where you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, women take place in this gauntlet match where the winner of this gauntlet match would emerge victorious as the new number one contender for uh, Liv Morgan's SmackDown Women's Championship, and the participants in the match were Aaliyah, Natalia, Raquel Rodriguez, Shotzi, Shayna Baszler, Sonya Deville, and Xia uh, And you had Shayna Baszler emerge victorious to become your new number one contender.
0: Love this idea. Yeah, I, I, I do too. It, it was a great showcase for the women on the SmackDown roster. The match was okay. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the best one, but gauntlet yeah. matches kind of are either hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But, but the end game was Shayna Baszler won. This plays very, very much into the story they're building for Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. because Shayna Baszler is obviously best friends with Ronda Rousey, and from- was
1: even featured on WWE videos on their like YouTube channel and Facebook page and all their social media stuff as helping Ronda train. Yes, before her match with Charlotte Flair.
0: Yes, so this adds into a different degree for Liv Morgan's character because obviously if Liv can beat Shayna, this does prove into the WWE fans' eyes that she could actually hang with Ronda Rousey, that the mm-hmm. victories that she's gotten have you know, not been a fluke. They'll actually mean something when they actually have that eventual rematch.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was a tag team matchup between Eric and Ivar and the Viking Raiders and some local enhancement talent. Uh, obviously, the Viking Raiders emerge victorious, but this is just to obviously build them back up since they're coming back after being off TV for a little while.
0: Yeah, so another smart move by Triple H, obviously given the tag team division some time. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can only go up from here.
1: Uh, and then afterwards, you did have Kofi Kingston uh, take place have a match take place with Eric. Uh, Kofi emerged victorious in three minutes and forty four seconds, so emerging out of the uh, last match. Uh, but the big thing everyone thing big thing excuse me everyone is talking about on Friday night is you had Roman and the Bloodline come out. Uh, you know, basically talking about how all oh, Brock's old news. You know, kind of talking him down for injuring the uh, injuring Heyman, You know, oh he's not here because he's at the hospital recovering. You had uh what was it, Drew McIntyre come out and cut a promo and boy that report that they're giving the talent more freedom with what they say in promos got very evident. Mm-hmm. The very, very evident, very quick. Case in point, uh look at what Drew McIntyre called Roman when he came out. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. Not mm-hmm. I'm not gonna repeat it, but you can go look it up for yourself. Uh and then in the midst of that and and basically Drew calling him out, uh, you know, and taking off a shirt ready for a fight. There had been reports earlier in the day couple hours before that uh one killer cross, aka carrion cross mm. uh was rumored to be returning to WWE that and and this was really no surprise if you'd paid attention to his interviews and, and his uh, videos after he had left the company, that he had said that he had burned no bridges, that he said he enjoyed his time with WWE and he enjoyed working with everybody. And that if he were asked to go back, he would say yes in a heartbeat. He had made this very public. You know, he had never kind of hit or dodged any questions about it. You know, so he he always said, Hey, if they ask me back, I'll be there in a second. So we heard those rumors weren't quite sure when it was going to happen, you know, but then uh, you get to drew McIntyre, basically getting ready to attack Roman. And then the lights kind of go down a little bit. You hear some music hit. And if you're an NXT uh, viewer, you're very familiar with the music. They, the, Screen goes black and white. They cut to looking at the Titan Tron and you see somebody standing up on the entryway right by the Titan Tron. And you see this like Raven or Crow looking thing, the silhouette flying. And you're like, well, what's going on? And then out of the behind the camera coming to attack Drew McIntyre. Is it? Can it be? Yes. It's Karrion Cross back on WWE.
0: Yeah, this is a big move, and obviously Triple H wants to come out with a lot of surprises. Uh, Karrion Cross in NXT was one of his guys, mm-hmm. and that is somebody that he really, really wanted to groom for the main roster. The character definitely has a lot of potential for the WWE Universe. The NXT character, not that bastardized version we saw
1: once he came to the main
0: roster. Well, that's also what I was going to get to, but a great point to bring up. When Karrion Cross was called up to the main roster, Vince McMahon and the creative team at the time really went in a different direction mm-hmm. with that character.
1: Because when he initially was getting ready to debut on NXT, they didn't run this like extended video package in between matches on an episode of NXT. They had It was maybe like five seconds, mm-hmm. and it was just him appearing on screen, super close up in his face, and it just, uh, he just said, TikTok, yeah, and cut, and everyone on the internet and everyone who knew or was familiar with the character went, "Oh shit!"
0: Yeah, but it's also a great way to debut somebody to the WWE universe. And like we say, there's a lot that do mm-hmm. not watch NXT and really don't follow the Indies. This is another case scenario. So yeah. when we heard that he was getting re-signed, and you touched upon too. Karrion Cross left on very good terms. He understands the business, and he always said he'd be open to come back. Everybody was saying that, oh, no, he would never come back after how they did his gimmick, which was awful. But he understands it was a business move, and the powers that be at the time decided to go in a different direction than what Triple H wanted yeah. to But now Triple H is back, and it's like nothing has changed from when he was in NXT. Triple H had a lot to do with that intro, intro that he does. From, oh, the, yeah. from the black and white oh, film yeah. to the music to... That's a lot of Triple H really building that character up. And for somebody to make that big of a debut, it's really showing the effect that Triple H is having. He is really starting to stack the deck from very talented wrestlers he has, men and, fi- men and women on the roster, mm-hmm. and putting them in positions to really shine on front of the biggest stage you can, and that's WWE programming. Ratings don't lie. They're averaging two to three million per show, as we oh, saw yeah. last week. Oh, yeah. So if you really are living and dying by that number. Yeah, they're making a big splash in front of a big audience. Mm-hmm. And that's the big takeaway from Triple H. He really wants to get the fans talking. For everybody that got disenfranchised with how Vince and company were running things, he's now saying, come back to the show. It's exciting. You never know who you're going to see pop up. You don't know what direction we're going to go in. Which is awesome because, let's face it, yeah, they
1: they WWE got kind of cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. That you knew what was going to happen. You knew in between... The WrestleManias and the Summer Slams—you weren't going to get any major debuts unless they had something real crazy planned, like the Kevin Owens, or when you had Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte, did, and also—I uh, feel like I'm forgetting one—Sasha, Becky, Bailey, Bailey, well, Bailey too, yeah. But like when you had you had the three of the four horsewomen debut on that episode of Raw in 2015, 2016. But outside of, you know, the post-WrestleMania or the post-SummerSlam, you weren't really going to get a, a major debut from somebody up from NXT. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of going to be the same wash, rinse, repeat outside of maybe leaning into a WrestleMania where, you know, the one year Sting kept making appearances. Yeah. You know, or when Brock Lesnar would return. So it, it got stale and cookie cutter, but it's kind of injected that, like, unexpectedness you might expect from the Attitude Era where, like, you genuinely don't know who the hell's going to show up or what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of fans have been craving. I think a lot of fans really want to have that excitement back in their programming. Triple H understands the temp in the room. He's one of the smartest minds in all of pro wrestling. And he knows what he's got to do to get that fan base reignited. He also knows that the WWE universe is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. They are the brand. They are the most established pro wrestling organization on the planet. Maybe close to New Japan pro wrestling. Yeah. Just in tenure and product. WWE runs very, very unmatched in most most categories. To see what Triple H has done in a week mm-hmm. and really shifted the internet wrestling community back to the WWE yeah. has been very, very telling. Oh, yeah. And to see now... We're going into the, fir- to the n- second week. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of buzz going on with Monday Night Raw tonight. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's going to be on that level, but there's one matchup that I think everybody has been talking about, Pat. Uh,
1: yeah, and so that is for the United States uh, Championship where you've got Bobby Lashley defending his belts against uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who, as we detailed on last week's episode, uh, Ciampa earned that match uh, after winning a triple threat. You know, and then beating AJ Styles to be the number one contender. Uh, so, f- f- reading from the WWE.com uh, article previewing it, it says, "Quote: After a series of grueling matches on Raw, Champa will have the chance to earn gold when he takes on Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Champa had to go first, go through Dolph Ziggler and Chad Gable in a triple threat before toppling AJ Styles in a hard-fought matchup. Champa's match against the phenomenal one wasn't without controversy, however, as his mentor The Miz got involved, allowing Champa to capitalize and earn the victory." After Lashley dismantled Theory at SummerSlam, the Almighty is ready to take on all challengers as a fighting champion. Will Lashley uh, leave Raw still champion, or will the unpredictable Champa, with the wily Miz in his corner upset the Almighty? Uh, find out on Raw at 8, 7 Central on USA. Uh, but the reason there's a lot of buzz and intrigue with this matchup is because Tommaso Champ is involved. One, mm. two, the episode tonight is taking place in the city of Cleveland, Ohio, which is, of course, the hometown and residence of one Johnny Gargano, who is, as of this recording, still a free agent. Although it's being reported by Sean Ross Sapp at com that they have sent the one, the only, the heartbreak kid. Shawn Michaels to talk with him, which to that I say, Triple H, you're a cold motherfucker. Yeah. uh, Gargano, if you don't know, loves Shawn Michaels and probably can't say no to Shawn Michaels.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something that Triple H understands. And Gargano is one of the few free agents still out there Mm -hmm. that could cause a big buzz for the programming. Yeah. Bray Wyatt might be the only other one at this stage. Yeah. In terms of
1: free free agents, yeah.
0: Yeah, and this is a smart move by Triple H because he wants to make a big splash. He wants... All eyes on the product. and if they're not, he wants to give you a reason to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. It's smart business. It's what you should be doing. You really should be out there hustling your product and really getting the fans excited to turn back Monday nights, give three hours of their night mm-hmm. to your program. and he's smart about this. Well,
1: and I especially especially we think back to the feud Gargano and Champa had at NXT that was for like a year, mm-hmm. whatever it was that was to this day still the best storyline i have ever seen in pro ru- in my short time of watching pro wrestling you know so if we can get even close to you know recreating that on the main roster though you you're going to have a built-in audience who watch NXT who watch the main roster and go holy shit that feud was fucking awesome yeah and they're going to be sitting there telling their friends at work, their family members who might not watch XC and go, no, you need to watch this fucking matchup because this is going to be the best wrestling you ever see. Mm-hmm. And that's going to get more eyes to turn on to the product. And that's just Triple H being smart.
0: It's a smart thing to do. Obviously, there is a little feedback on the net uh, from AEW fans. And listen, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that they should just really sit back and just start enjoying wrestling. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on 607TWS. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by the way, if you listen in that episode, and you should, You'll understand why we say mid is not something you want to be saying. Nope. But on there, and we reiterate that here as well, you should want to be a wrestling fan, and yeah. you should want to enjoy wrestling, yeah. and you really want to you know, check out as much as you can. Yeah. The fact that there's negative feedback complaining about the camera angles means – there really is not a lot to be complaining about the product.
1: This genuinely is the best time to be a pro wrestling fan because you think back to you know the early days yeah. where you might catch it on TV, you might catch it in your local area, but by and large, outside of your own little neck of the woods or your little corner of the world, mm-hmm. you had no idea what else was going on in the, in the Londons or you know, the Italys or the Japans or the, you know, the Brazils or wherever else. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you kind of move along further in time and you had television. You know, where you had a couple, you had some federations on TV, but it, you couldn't watch more than one at a time. You had to you pick one and then channel flip. And that even went into the attitude, the uh, attitude era and, and the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. You know, where you, you had a little bit easier of a time, but then, you know, it, it wasn't quite what it is today. And then you kind of go into like the early Internet era where early Internet. I remember early Internet fucking sucked. Yeah. So trying to keep up with anything on early internet, it's goddamn impossible. But now you have Twitch, YouTube. You know, fight, uh, fight TV. You know, uh, the uh, what is it? The one Rich always talks about the uh, IWTV. IWTV. You know, there's so many ways. You know, plus you can go back through the, the stuff if you, you got the WWE network overseas or Peacock here in the states. Mm-hmm. You know, there are just so many ways to enjoy and watch wrestling that I think pro wrestling fans from you know the 50s and the 60s and even the 70s and 80s would have killed for that like, oh, you mean there's a way that I can keep... You know, because I'm sure that folks who watched wrestling back then had their favorites, and, and if the favorite left the federation and went somewhere else, they had no idea where the hell they went. They thought they they just quit or maybe went off and chose another job. You know, but if you go back in time and say, yeah, hey, here's a way to watch all your favorites, no matter where they go, they'd be killing for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's something that fans just really should start taking more advantage of. But like I say, to close it out... If you're really gonna be complaining about WWE programming right now, you gotta come with a stronger argument. Mm-hmm. I can understand you want to rep your brands, and you know, if, listen. If you're hashtag I'm with AEW, listen, do that. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. But you don't have to sit there on your soapbox and really be yelling at fans that are trying to enjoy a product.
1: If if your argument is I don't like the wrestling style, you know it's just not for me. I don't connect with any of the wrestlers. That's fine. To- mm-hmm. Totally understand sure. it. Sure, you know that I don't fault you in that in that those feelings. But if your argument is well, they suck. I don't like the I don't like this person. I don't like that person. You know, and you give no substance or no reason behind it. Just you don't like them. Keep it to yourself.
0: Exactly. And, and
1: quit going for the cheap internet karma.
0: Exactly. Because you know, those quick clicks go away very, very fast. Meanwhile, everybody else is enjoying the product and being really good wrestling fans. Yeah. You choose what side of the fence you want to be on. So that said, ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about week two of the Triple H regime? Are you excited about WWE? Are you not? And why not if you're not? And also, if you want more wrestling content, definitely check out the latest edition of 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform and Blogs Count Anywhere, which you can find only at odphpodcast.com. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh, my God. Me, too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Diner and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we had our first preseason game. Yes, we did. So that means that the NFL is finally finally coming back
1: and this all week uh, this past weekend i should say also means it is the last weekend until february without any sort of football that being pro or college
0: yeah so it is an exciting time for fans all around the world because obviously the nfl is the biggest north american sport on the planet yes and it does go globally it's not as big as soccer but you know what? It, it's up there and definitely there's some stories that have been kind of breaking out Obviously, last week we dived into some of the more drama-esque ones. Yeah. But this one, this week has been a little more quiet, but some that have definitely stood out for different reasons. So, Pat, mm-hmm. let's take a quick lap around the league.
1: Uh, yeah, so I think the first one we got to talk about, and the, kind of the biggest one that's been making the rounds uh, today as we record, or the last 24 hours, uh, has been the situation surrounding Kareem Hunt and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, reading from an article on ESPN.com, Rich reads, quote, running back Kareem Hunt, who is seeking a contract extension, has requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns, but the team has privately declined the, that request sources confirmed to espn hunt who is in the final year of a two-year 12 million dollar deal has missed team drills the past two practices but returned to them on sunday the news of hunt's trade demand was first reported by cleveland.com brown's coach kevin stefanski declined comment on sunday when asked about hunt's trade request i'm not going to get into really anything that has to do with our players and conversations he said Stefanski also said he won't get into that when asked whether Hunt would be fined for sitting out team drills. Hunt's situation adds more turmoil to the Brown, for the Browns, who are waiting to see how long quarterback Deshaun Watson will be suspended for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Watson was suspended for six games by disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson on Monday, uh, but the NFL appealed the ruling on Wednesday of seeking a tougher penalty. Hunt, 27, has been uh, productive during his three seasons for Cleveland, but he missed nine games last season with a calf and ankle injuries and ended up with 386 rushing yards and five touchdowns finishing third on the team in rushing behind Nick Chubb, uh, who had 1,259 yards, and uh, De'Ernest Johnson, who had 534 yards. Hunt led the Browns with 11 touchdowns, six rushing, five receiving in 2020. Uh, Hunt, who led the NFL in rushing as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017, when he had 1,327 yards, was released by Kansas City a year later after video surfaced of him shoving and kicking a woman. He signed with the Browns in 2019 and was suspended for the first eight games of that season for violating the personal conduct policy, close quote.
0: Well, I side with the Browns on this one. I I don't think that they have to oblige his trade request. No. He's not the number one running back on that team. He's kind of a running back by committee, if anything. Exactly. But has he really done enough to warrant a move like that?
1: I mean, I think I, I, from his perspective, you know, I understand it just because you look at the amount of money that has been thrown around, you know, since he has joined the Cleveland Browns. And, I, and, I, and I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns uh, active contracts on Spotrack.com, you know, and I'm not going to run through every single solitary You know, contract, but, you know, they've obviously, you know, about the Deshaun Watsons, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you've got Miles Garrett, who signed a five year, hundred and twenty five million dollar deal. Denzel Ward, one of their cornerbacks, five years, hundred and hundred point five million dollar deal. Amari Cooper, you know, uh, five years, hundred million dollar deal. Wyatt Teller, one of their guards, four years, fifty six point eight million dollars. David Njoku, their tight end. You know, they just gave a four year, fifty four point seven, five million dollar deal. Uh, Joel Batonio, one of their guards, three years, $48 million deals. Jack Conklin, uh, their right tackle, three years, $42 million. Nick Chubb, three years, $36.6 million. John Johnson, one of their safeties, three years, $33.75 million. uh, Jedrick Willis, uh, one of their tackles, four years, $19.7 million. Greg Newsome, one of their cornerbacks, four years, $12.7 million. And then you get to Kareem Hunt. You know, so all in total. And those are just, you know, the ones ahead of him that have received contracts during his time in in Cleveland and running the numbers. You know, if my math is right, you know, he there's been a total of eight hundred and fifty nine million, eight hundred and fifty one thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. In contract money doled out in his time there. So from that perspective, you know, okay, I I understand why are we dragging our feet on contract extensions, especially with this. And this is, you know, kind of guessing he's still with the team come week one, Mm. which you never know. Right. He, He could get traded. You know, if he's still with the team week one, his value goes up. Because you you're gonna have Jacoby Brissett starting you for week one, which let's face it, you're not gonna rely on Jacoby Brissett for his arm strength. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yep. And God forbid one, you know, Nick Chubb goes down with an injury or or vice versa, all of a sudden their value goes through the roof. You know, just because you don't have a throwing quarterback.
0: It's one of those weird situations, but I agree with you. I mean, he's gonna have a lot of value week one and moving forward. I just think at this situation, the Browns, listen, the Browns are a hot mess right now. To say the least. They don't need this extra baggage on them.
1: No, and and it's just more baggage on top of more baggage that, you know, you've got the whole mess with Deshaun Watson. Will will he get suspended the six games? Will it be more? You know, you've got the mess with Kareem Hunt, and and just they've got so much going on behind the scenes that they got to get this shit sorted by week one or it's going to be a massive distraction for them.
0: Oh, absolutely, and the situation really just kind of plays into where they are trying to take their team. They've signed all their guys Mm -hmm. that they are going to have as starters. Mm -hmm. Kareem Hunt is not. He's actually lucky to still be in the league, in my opinion, because obviously that whole drama that got him kicked off Kansas City. Yeah. And obviously when he was brought in, it was a different GM at the time. Right. One that was John Dorsey, who was the former GM of uh, Kansas Kansas City. Yeah. So he's lucky to still be in the league. Yep. Has he done anything to surpass Nick Chubb? Not really. That, no, statistically, no. That's what I say. I, I look at what he's done on the field, and like, and you can say, well, he's not, on, he's not used as much. Is he still that much of a dynamic player that you know teams have been searching for him and trying to make trade requests since, mm-hmm. since he came back? No.
1: I mean, because realistically, if he gets the trade now, it's going to be to a desperate team who needs an upgrade at running back. Cleveland's not going to get much back for him just because. You can try and sell that, oh, yeah, this is this is Kareem Hunt. Look at the numbers he's had. And the GM on the opposing team is going to sit there and go, okay, yeah, that's great, but that was all from his his year time in Kansas City. What has he done for you in, in Cleveland? You know, and it's you look at the numbers, it's not much. Now, granted, like we mentioned, there was the first year he was suspended. Last year he was injured. But his numbers have never been anything close to what they were, and I realize he's splitting time with Nick Chubb but still if he is that dynamic of a player and that good of a player that it doesn't matter what uniform or what field he's on he can still carry the ball and put up numbers sorry I ain't
0: seeing it Yeah, exactly so like I say I side with the Browns on this one I don't think you need to make a move like this I think that they're well stocked on their players minus Deshaun Watson that they can contend for the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. They did enough to lock up their core guys. Miles Garrett was a, the big one that, in my opinion, that's who you had to lock up. He's your defensive leader. If yeah. you don't lock him up, listen, it doesn't matter what you're doing on the offensive off, mm-hmm. side of the ball. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's the guy you need to do. So for Hunt to cut, try calling a shot, like, listen, I understand he wants to get paid, but have you really kind of earned that stripes to do that? Right. You know, Have you, have you really done enough? To call that shot. And th- and that's the thing. It's like I don't think he's really earned that time in Cleveland with no. what he's done. No. He's, he's a good complement to uh, Nick Chubb. But other yeah. than that, it's like, you know, I, I think if he went somewhere else, where do you see him taking over being a number one and, and being just that dynamic of a threat at this stage?
1: Well, I mean, I know Buffalo needs a running back, but I don't know if Buffalo would do
0: that. No, I mean, we just drafted the um, uh, cook from Alabama. Or, right.
1: Uh, wherever he's from but yeah you drafted the guy yeah
0: dalvin cook's brother
1: yeah um plus i know your fucking new defensive guy is recruiting obj to come there like fucking hard that that's facts he posted on instagram you know somebody had photoshopped an obj bill's jersey so he's trying to recruit obj to buffalo well you know so i don't know if you got quite the time or the cap space for that with kareem hunt uh, But the, um, the only other one I can think of is maybe the Jets. You know, the Jets ain't got much going on. No. You know, they need all the help in the world.
0: No, James Cook from Georgia. Okay. That's that's who I was blanking on because I always know I would, he's Dalvin Cook's brother, but I'm still waiting to really see that dynamic player take off for their backfield. And obviously there's a lot of hype behind him. But, yeah, but everybody's trying to go to Buffalo anyway. And I'm not saying this as a Bills fan. I'm saying everybody's saying, okay, they're going to be the Super Bowl odds-on favorite. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to jump on board now. Do we really need OBJ? I don't think so. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to bring him in at this stage. I, I I genuinely don't.
1: I mean, as someone who had, at one point, two dynamic wide receivers on their offense, it's fun to watch.
0: Oh, it, it sure. It's fun to watch. It, it could be fun to watch, but at the same time, I don't really think it's... It, it's it's a dire need for him like that's the one thing I would just kind of sit back and go like okay do we really need him here
1: yeah uh, and I pulled up for those of you curious I pulled up uh Kareem Hunt's numbers uh I'll just read off the rushing uh for his first year as we mentioned in Kansas City in 2017 he had 1,327 yards rushing eight touchdowns uh his sophomore year he had 181 yards rushing uh with seven touchdowns then in Canada, then in his first year in Cleveland, he had uh, where there it is, 179 yards rushing with only two touchdowns, uh, and then 2020 he had uh, 841 yards rushing with six touchdowns, and then last year he had 386 yards rushing with five touchdowns.
0: Yeah. So is that really warranting it? No. Yeah, I mean that, that's the overall because like you take a look at the flip of the coin, the Ravens signed Justin Tucker. Oh, To one of the biggest contract extensions for a kicker, but he's worth every
1: penny. The man who, if I'm not mistaken, set the NFL record for the longest field goal made last year in the NFL if I'm not mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken yeah the the Ravens signed him to a four-year extension were uh with the team uh with a source according to ESPN saying it's worth 24 million dollars uh and yeah he's still the highest paid kicker in the NFL which hey given the numbers and given how accurate he is unless Jim Nance says something about it because then he'll miss it uh he it's worth every penny
0: Exactly like he is somebody that has earned that shot he's earned those stripes he's he's the most accurate kicker in the NFL until someone says something
1: about it on TV and then they jinx him and then he misses
0: yeah but still if you're going to give money to a kicker he's probably the closest automatic that you're going to find in the league these days yeah so that move makes sense in comparison like it's just one it's a weird dynamic of the business of the league but you have to really look at it if you're going to spend that money
1: because mm-hmm. obviously
0: the salary cap in the NFL is the only one in all of professional sports that actually means a damn because it does enforce real parity amongst the league. Mm-hmm. So for Baltimore to go in on Justin Tucker, it's it's a perfect signing. He has been your rock oh, yeah. for yeah. how many years? Yeah. And when you need a clutch kick, he is almost automatic. But to have that safety valve right there that yeah. you know you don't have to worry about him to make sure he might yeah. miss one here and there. Yeah. But more times than not, he is lights out, oh, kicking yeah. wherever on the field. That's a move. Then that's somebody you have to resign. In Kareem Hunt's case, no. I'm sorry, it's, it's not there, because uh, you can go to any other team. But are you going to be that number one guy at this stage of your career? No, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to happen. The
1: only the only thing that scares me is he's currently 32 years old. You know, so he'll, this contract takes him through you know 36 years old. The only thing that concerns me is this isn't like a running back or a wide receiver or a quarterback where like you can start to see that decline mm-hmm. you, you know they, they might not power the running back might not power through the, the defensive line as hard as they did the wide receiver might not run as quick as they used to the quarterback might not throw as far as they used to kickers it's hard to tell just because all they do is they kick the ball yeah but you I and i'm thinking back to the time when steven goskowski was with the patriots you know, where he, he set a team record for points in a year, the most field goals made. Like, he set all these kicking records in New England just because of how long he was there and how good he was, that he was in that Tucker conversation where, you know, if, if you're playing fantasy football, you're taking Tucker or Goskowski first. It's a matter of preference. Yeah. But then his last year with New England before he got hurt, and then once he left New England, it was like it fell off a cliff. You know, where he started missing some kicks. And then, you know, mm-hmm. so the you know, that's the only thing that concerns me with Tucker is if that cliff does approach and he starts to kind of go off of it a little bit. It's a lot of money be, to be paying a kicker who's no longer as accurate as he used to be and is a little suspect.
0: Yeah, that's something we'll have to watch. But if he really starts declining, but that's one thing about NFL kickers. They usually stay around for a very, very long time. This is true. So I don't think that it, it, it's it's safe. It's a safe bet. Like that's the easiest way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I really don't worry too much about giving the money to him than I would a running back that has been unproven and obviously has oh, yeah. got some issues. Yeah. That you yeah. know he he so far he's been good since he's been with the Browns, but at the same time, it's a lot to put on somebody that's a number two, mm-hmm. and that's something you have to watch. Yeah, this isn't like you're making a deal with Aaron Rodgers, and obviously he. <laughs> do we even want to talk about his? statements of late
1: we can i mean he's a different dude that's for sure
0: yeah so uh, let's break it down
1: uh so reading from an article on cbssports.com uh the article reads quote green bay packers quarterback aaron Rodgers has seemingly found his fountain of youth as he was named the nfl mvp in each of the last two seasons despite aging into his late 30s in a recent interview on the aubrey marcus podcast Rodgers attributed his recent success to psychedelics Rogers revealed that the, uh, and I'm going to butcher the shit out of this plant's name, so I apologize. The Ayashusa plant, which is found in South America, has helped him and helped improve his mental health, uh, saying, quote, I think there's so many myths ab- and rumors about it. Rogers said during the interview, the fear around it is you're going to shit yourself. It's just a big throw up fest. But the negative framework of it is that it is that it is the experience, not the deep and meaningful and crazy mind expanding possibilities and also deep self-love and healing that can happen on the other side. Close quote. Uh, Rogers knew the experience would make him a changed man immediately saying, quote, I came back and knew that I was never going to be the same. Close quote. Since Rogers began traveling to South America to partake in the psychedelics, he believes it's no coincidence that he's won the league MVP during the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Rogers is now setting the record straight uh, regarding the negative stereotypes about the Ayashusa plant. Uh, quote, I had a magical experience with the sensation of feeling a hundred different hands on my body, imparting a blessing of love and forgiveness and f- for uh, for myself and gratitude for this life from what seemed to be my ancestors. God, I can't believe I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogers said when he described his describing his first experience, Rogers added that he previously experimented with mushrooms before trying a yeshusa. Now Rogers believes he has he's more equipped to lead the Packers to glory, and the ISU plant has helped him with that. Quote, to be way more free at work as a leader, as a teammate, as a friend, as a lover, Rogers said, "I really feel like that experience paved the way for me to have the best season of my career."
0: Close quote. He's a different dude.
1: He's he's a different dude. He is a man. Wow. Le- he is a man. Let's not forget that was videotaped riding down the streets of Green Bay, Wisconsin, with a thirty pack of beer in the backseat of a pickup truck.
0: I he, mean, I, the, he's a, he's a different dude. He, he he's he's him, man. I mean, what can you say? He's the reigning, uh, the defending champion of just being an awesome quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what else can you really say about it? like? He's, I mean, to,
1: hey, to each their own. You know, if it works for him okay, you know, I, I don't necessarily condone the use of drugs or psychedelics, but, hey, if, if it's you and you are doing it in a safe space and, you know, everything's okay and you're not going to hurt yourself or others, okay. You know, it's not for me, but no. I'm not I'm not going to shit on
0: him for it. No, I mean, this is just such a wild story. And, and considering how many MVPs he's won allegedly doing this, like I said, he's, he's well, just...
1: Well, and it's, and it's one of those weird things that, like, you, know, you know, athletes all the time, that like, oh, Tom Brady and, and his workout regiment. You know, and just all these athletes throughout the years and, and Michael Jordan and his workout stuff. And then you had guys who were like, yeah, I don't really work out. I just kind of do my do me. You know, then you go to Rogers, it's like, oh, yeah, I do mushrooms.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just something absolutely wild to see. But this is why he is Aaron Rodgers. And like yep. I say, the Packers don't really have to worry about too much as long as he's producing like this. But yeah. it's just wild to hear about. He's, he's he's doing this as a regiment, and then he's been tagged with that whole Pacha karma.
1: Just just when you think the man can't give you any more crazy news stories, he finds a way to
0: give you more crazy news stories. He does, but you know when he shows up on the field, that's all that matters, and that's yep. all that we get now get the chance to focus on moving forward because preseason week one is about ready to start for everybody else. A lot of crazy headlines this week about contracts, and, well, Aaron Rodgers is just a phenom himself. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What are your takes going into week one of the preseason of the NFL? What do you think about Kareem Hunt's contract situation? you agree with it or not? How about Justin Tucker? And let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I know we have a lot of Packer fans that listen to this podcast. Let's talk about this. What do you think about his offseason uh, activities, shall we say? Let's discuss. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom.
1: Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation?
2: The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram.
1: Me, Hassan. And me, Levi.
2: Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and back by popular demand, (laughs) uh, we have been asked to cover the latest drama in Brooklyn.
1: Does anybody really want this? Hashtag ODPH pod if you do.
0: I, do, I I, I have questions. I get hit up all the time asking, what is going on in Brooklyn? You need to break down the Nets more. And really, I mean, what else can you say about the best drama soap opera in all of the basketball world?
1: Even soap operas couldn't write this shit. Oh, my God. God, it, it, It
0: keeps getting better and better. And me as a Knicks fan, I need something to watch and seeing Brooklyn go up in flames. I'm here for this. The
1: only thing I think I've ever seen come close to this, scripted or otherwise were some of the episodes of the Ballers TV series with Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. There, some of that was a little wild, but I don't think it ever came close to this.
0: Yeah, because the latest news coming out of Brooklyn is, well, oh, 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 fuck. we have to digest this one.
1: Yeah, so reading from an article on FoxSports.com where the headline reads, quote, Kevin Durant reportedly demands Nets trade him or fire brass. Uh, So the article on this reads, quote, in a meeting with Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Tsai, Kevin Durant reportedly asked or, excuse me, requested that the team fire general manager Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash or honor his trade request. Uh, Durant, quote, does not have faith in the team's direction. uh, The Athletics' Sam shams Charnier reported. Uh, Shams tweeted, quote, in a meeting with Nets owner Joe Tsai." Kevin Durant reiterated his trade request and informed Sy that he needs to choose between Durant or the pairing of general manager, Sean Marks and coach Steve Nash sources say, uh, The article goes on to say Durant requested a trade on June 30th, the first day of NBA free agency. His request came shortly after Kyrie Irving exercised his player option for the 2022-23 season to return to the Nets. The Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, and Miami Heat are all considered top candidates to acquire Durant, uh, Sharnia reported. Uh, Durant is entering the first season of a four-year, $194 million extension with the Nets, which he signed after the 2020-21 season. Uh, the 33-year-old has appeared in 90 games for the Nets over the three seasons due to recovery from a torn Achilles tendon and varying injuries since making his debut for the franchise in the 2020-21 season, close
0: quote. This is out of control.
1: This is, fu- this is like, it's this ain't the inmates running the asylum. This is, like, there's nobody in the fucking asylum and they're just living there.
0: This is just so absolutely crazy to make a demand like that. Yeah. You know, like I say... You're gonna fire your entire management staff or trade me.
1: Well, and I got the notification from the ESPN app, and I'm like, yeah. And like, is is he just like, oh, I can't handle not being in the news with everything else going on in the world? That, it makes like,
0: you wonder that
1: like, I got to be part of the news because the man's got time to fucking be responsive on Twitter and and go at people on Twitter. So the man's got time, you know. But I I I don't know what it is that like I like because like genuinely I, I saw the headline or the notification from ESPN. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, and like. No fucking shit. He wants a trade. Like it's, it's, and then I actually read the article and I was just like, all right, they completely missed the bulk of the headline here. Yeah, yeah that, the story wasn't he still still wants a trade. It's no, he wants the brass fired.
0: Yeah, which listen, I don't think you are gonna win this battle. No, I I genuinely don't. What like what Brooklyn ultimately has to do is you really have to implode that team. Mm-hmm. And I am saying this being unbiased. I am gonna I am gonna go into my podcaster. You know, call it like I see it, yeah, Brooklyn has to either dump Kyrie mm-hmm. as quick as possible mm-hmm. and start moving some players to give Kevin Durant a contending team that he can work with, sure, or you gotta try flipping both of them, which would be so out of this world to do that i don't I don't think it can be done, I think I think.
1: Listen, a lot of things can be done. You know, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen some stuff in the NBA where I thought there's no way this, that this can happen and shit. They made it work. I, I didn't think there was any way we'd see like just from a financial standpoint. I didn't think there was any way we'd see Bosh, Wade and LeBron together on the same team. And they made that work. It really strapped them for cash, you know, on the rest of the team. But fuck, they made it work. Mm. I think at the start of it, I was of the opinion you need to get rid of Kyrie Keep Kevin Durant and then build the team around Kevin Durant. Simmons is whatever Simmons is. If he can give you a full season and prove he's anything close to what he was or can be, fine, okay. Yeah. But make the decision on that once you see him because the Brooklyn front office has not seen him perform yet as a Brooklyn net. You know, but now I'm of the opinion you got to fucking get rid of them both. You yeah, got, you got to you got to get rid of everybody, like top to bottom, even the janitor. You know, cleaning the locker room. Everybody's got to go. Just because Kyrie is a headache for all the reasons we've detailed previously on other episodes, mm-hmm. you know, with with his choices and just you don't know when he's going to want to show up or when he's going to want to take a vacation for his fucking birthday, mm-hmm. you know, but then you've got Kevin and I and I thought Kevin Durant was the level headed one yeah. of the level headed one of the bunch. That, oh, he's just pissed off about, you know, he had the whole thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder and that didn't work out. You know, then he went to Golden State and he wanted to prove it on his own. And now it's not been exact. You know what? The car he got sold with the Brooklyn Nets ain't exactly what he's been driving. You know, so I was like, oh, Kevin Durant's the more level had one of the bunch. I'm starting to think that ain't the case, because if he's pissed now and wants you, hey, trade me or fire the brass. okay they fire the brass and keep him. And then things still aren't going right. Well, then you're gonna to have to cater to his demands every single time because you've set the precedent that you're willing to do whatever he takes, that you might as well get rid of Joe Sy as the name of the owner on the on the books and put Kevin Durant as the
0: owner. I love how you brought that up, Pat, because you know what that was my argument as well. You can't let him have this much control over your organization.
1: Michael Jordan didn't have this much control over the Bulls.
0: No, and and listen, Durant is one of the most talented players we've ever seen play the game sure no question about that sure but is this headache worth dealing with through an entire season or for well for four years but you but you think about it just look in the short term though you take a look at where he's come from, Oklahoma City, who yep. Russell Westbrook yeah. were, you know, one game, or a couple games away from getting to the finals, and yeah. and who knows what would happen. Got beat by Golden State, then he joins them the next year.
1: Well, and even even before his Golden State day, the Oklahoma City Thunder days, well, you know, the tryouts for the Olympic team, mm-hmm. where where it was a who's who of Hall of Famers and, and All Stars, you know, the Kobe's and the LeBrons and the Dwight Howards and the Chris Pauls, and then here's this scrawny little kid, you know, just out of college, just got drafted. You know, Kevin Durant, yeah. you know, shining on that stage, you know, but you're,
0: you know, you're right. I mean, that's the whole thing. So he can't play in Oklahoma City. So he joins the team to beat him. Yep. Wins a couple chips there. Wants to prove it on his own, which, hey, I don't fault you for. Yeah. That, that was kind
1: of the narrative, was that, hey, you couldn't do it, so you went and joined a super team.
0: Yeah, so you joined a super team, and it hasn't been so super. So
1: you wanted to prove that you could do it, but, hey, it's not worked out for various reasons. Obviously, the first year, not your fault. You had an injury. No, sure. Shit happens.
0: Yeah, first injury is a mulligan.
1: Yeah, first first year is a mulligan because you had the injury, but since that, since you've made your comeback, what the fuck have you done? Yeah, one mean, playoff
0: series, One playoff series win. Exactly like you have not done it with this team that you built and you've handpicked it too. you handpicked Steve Nash as your coach you handpicked Kyrie as your partner you handpicked you know James Harden and get him out of Houston and that didn't work out so everything you've done has not worked so Mm -hmm. you're now asking to fire the entire brass of your organization yeah that's not going to work no you can't do this and if Brooklyn does it they'll be the stupidest organization I have ever seen run a business of sports you can put this on tape if you cater the demands and you fire everybody in your front office to placate your superstar, this is just writing for disaster you,
1: if if they do go ahead and, and give in to his demands that they fire the brass, the Brooklyn front office and everybody else are guilty, and whatever happens afterwards are at their feet. Yeah that like you can't try and spin it off as oh, it was because of circumstances it was because of X, y, and Z. no like I said, if I think if there's anybody who could have made demands of what they wanted and done with the front office or done with the teams or trades or whatever else over there, I think it's Michael Jordan for as good as he was and everything he did. He, fucking Christ, he won six championships for the Bulls, you know, in the span of like a decade, you know, even the Bulls didn't do this for Michael Jordan. You know, the Lakers didn't do it with Kobe. They consulted with Kobe, but Kobe wasn't exactly turning around and going, yeah, fire the GM fire the fire the head of basketball operations do this do that like they consulted with hey what do you think about this Mm -hmm. you know because kobe was one of the smartest basketball minds out there and obviously lebron is le gm yeah you know but you don't see lebron turning around and going fire these guys fire that guy
0: no i mean lebron has made some points to build a team but he actually has worked with every regime he's been with sure i mean that's that's the big difference you're now seeing why this team in Brooklyn is not going to win a chip there. No, they never will. Their egos can't handle this. And being in that big of a market of media, they're just not going to make it in, in one piece. I'm sorry. You've seen now Kyrie and all his drama. And listen, it's, it's well-documented if you listen to this podcast. If, if not, you can just type him in on a Google search and just put drama and, trust me, stuff will pop up. He is somebody that needs to get to a different team. The Lakers would be a fine landing position for him because, listen, he's, he's played with LeBron again. That will bring back a lot of the old chemistry there, and definitely if you have Anthony Davis still there, you can definitely do some moves. With Kevin Durant, it's trickier. It really is because his narrative is he, he couldn't win with the super team he was on, mm-hmm. so he had to leave. He's now on a super team of his own building and it's crumbling around him. Oh, yeah. So now you're making some noise about screaming about your trade demands, but yet the front office understands what they would do if they lost you. Your skill set on the floor demands a high ransom from other teams. Mm Mm-hmm. Few teams are willing to entertain those demands. Oh, yeah. So you're either going to sit there and play your contract out and be miserable because apparently that's how the vibe is reading to me. Yep or they're going to move you for what benefits them long term because at the end of the day, they still need to put fans in the seats. They still need to sell to advertisers. They still need to do everything they can as a running business organization. They don't have to clear everything with you. No. So you'll either have to make one of two choices. You have to sit there and ride this out or you're going to get moved and they'll just send you wherever it makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have a landing spot for him anymore because obviously if I'm a GM and I'm seeing him call shots like this, oh, fuck you, no, this is a big, big sign of concern. Yeah, I'm sorry, it is. I would not want to take this headache on my case. Like I'm sorry, this is just too much for me to deal with. No, that I have to balance him out with the rest of a team. And what's going to happen if he gets here and he doesn't start winning? Is he going to start demanding he wants out again, too?
1: Well, that's the thing is is the Brooklyn front office obviously wants, you know, a a king's ransom in return for trading. And rightfully so. And and understandably so. But I think the Brooklyn Nets going forward up until the trade deadline and even offseason if he plays the full season with Brooklyn, I think the Brooklyn Nets, if things don't get better, might seriously have to consider, okay, you you obviously, however many boxes it is they want checked off, four or five, you know, if it gets to the point where things don't get better and it just continues to deteriorate, if you get a trade dip, trade package from pick a team, whoever, mm-hmm. whoever, and if it's four boxes, five boxes and only three or four of those boxes are. So basically all, but one of those boxes are checked off
0: yeah,
1: and you still like it. Fucking take it and just get
0: rid of it. Like, yeah.
1: it, it might not be everything you want, but if it's still a majority and it means you don't got to deal with this headache anymore, done. If, yeah. if it just, if it were me,
0: No, no, I agree with you completely because at this stage in the game, you got to do something. You you really need to push that forward, and you have to start thinking about your team in the offseason. You really have to start getting ready to make a run. You can't sit there and go, okay, well, we're trying to make this work here, and it's not going to work. You need to really start making some moves here, and if he's demanding this, you're left in a very, very tough situation. Do you move him or do you just try placating to his demands? I think at this stage you have to try moving him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take the best offer that's on the table. Like, send him out to the West Coast. You want to send him to Portland? I know Portland was in the in the you know conversation yeah. about him. That was one of them. That might be a, a landing spot too because you can't put him anywhere in the East. And, no, you know, they will never. They never will. No, I mean that would be foolish to do. Send him to the West Coast and see what happens. Send Kyrie to there. Reload your team because then when you bounce back, you'll have an organization that is your organization. You're not getting ran by the, yeah. the people on your team. Because obviously you've given them enough room to run and they keep stumbling at the finish line. Yeah. So why keep doing this to yourself? That's the question we ought to ask. So that being said, ODPH Society, we pose it to you. If you're the GM of the Brooklyn Nets organization, Kevin Durant, does he stay or does he go? Do you answer to his demands? What do you do? So we're going to pose that to you. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. (coughs)
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sidroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH podcast. Wanna go where no one
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got?
1: Got to talk a couple things to talk about, obviously the first of which is Local Minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and their schedule from last week, they had a uh, six-game series against the Somerset Patriots, which are, of course, the AA affiliates of the New York Yankees. So it was a AA subway series of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, their game on Tuesday, the se- August the 2nd, they won by the final score of 14-9. to 9. Came back on Wednesday, won again by the final score of 6-2. to two. Uh, Started the game on Thursday, however, was suspended due to rain. Uh, was resumed on Friday as part of a doubleheader, uh, where they won the first game by the final score of eleven to eight. Came back and won the the second game uh, by the final score of ten to five. Lost the game on Saturday by the final four by the final score of four to two, and then lost the game on Saturday by the final score of eight to six. But hey, I would say that's a pretty good series. You win four out of six, not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then looking at their series, they got this coming week starting on Tuesday. They have a six game series against Altoona. Uh Tuesday they have a game at 6 35 p.m. Eastern. Uh Wednesday they have a game at 6 35 p.m. Eastern should note. Wednesday, $1 hot dog day. Always a good promotion. Hey, no. uh, Thursday is uh also at 6 35 p.m. Eastern. Friday is at 705 p.m. Eastern. And a promotion they got going that day is Pirates and Mermaids Day. Uh Saturday is at 635 p.m. uh Eastern, which is speedy Saturdays, and then Sunday. It's a goddamn shame I'm not gonna be able to make it because it is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern and it is Star Wars Sunday.
0: How are you missing that?
1: I I've got prior engagements. Oh jeez. Uh, um but yeah, I've seen the jersey they are wearing, like Mandalorian uh theme jerseys, you know, where it's kind of like the Mandalorian's chess piece, but then they got baby Yoda and like a little carriage thing on the on the jerseys. They look really awesome. Uh so for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Uh, switching over to uh, some ba- more basketball, uh, today, as I saw online, uh, marks the 30th anniversary of the 1992 United States men's basketball team winning Olympic gold. Holy Uh,
0: smokes. 30 years already?
1: 30 years since the uh, Dream Team won Olympic gold. And so I saw the question get posed and I figured I'd pose pose it here to you and the listeners. Okay. Uh, Who would win in a matchup between the 1992 Dream Team and the 2008 Redeem Team? So in case you don't remember or you need a little refresher, Uh, here are the roster breakdowns. Uh, Head coach and I, I figured because this plays into it, I'm going to bring in coaches too. Head coaching the dream team was Chuck Daly with assistant coaches PJ Carlesimo, Mike Shashevsky, and Lenny Wilkins. Uh, and then on the roster, you had Christian Leitner from the Duke Blue Devils, David Robinson, uh, center from the San Antonio Spurs. Patrick Ewing center from the New York Knicks uh, should note. Christian Leitner was a power forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you, then you had uh, small forward, Larry Bird from the Boston Celtics, small forward, Scotty Pippen from the Chicago Bulls shooting guard, Michael Jordan from the Chicago Bulls shooting guard, Clyde Drexler from the Portland trailblazers power forward, Carl Malone from the Utah jazz. Point guard John Stockton from the Utah Jazz. Small forward Chris Mullen from the Golden State Warriors. Power forward Charles Barkley from the Phoenix Suns. And then point guard Magic Johnson from the Los Angeles Lakers. On the flip side, for the uh, 2008 Redeem team, you had head coach Mike Krzyzewski with assistant coaches Jim Beheim, Nate McMillan, and Mike D'Antoni. On the roster, you had forward Carlos Boozer from the Utah Jazz. Uh, guard uh, Jason Kidd from the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, forward LeBron James from the Cleveland Cavaliers guard Darren Williams from the Utah Jazz guard Michael Redd from the Milwaukee Bucks guard uh, Dwayne Wade from the Miami Heat guard Kobe Bryant and was team captain from the Los Angeles Lakers center Dwight Howard from the Orlando Magic Uh, forward slash center Chris Bosch uh, from the Toronto Raptors Uh, guard Chris Paul from the New Orleans Hornets Uh, And then forward Tayshaun Prince from the Detroit Pistons. And forward Carmelo Anthony from the Denver
0: Nuggets. I take Dream Team all day. Okay. I think Dream Team. See, the problem that you have is you're talking two different eras of basketball. True. And that's the big thing. And I will will stand on my soapbox and scream this. The Jordan era of basketball is arguably the greatest era of basketball in recent memory. Mm Mm-hmm because you had real follow fouls, you didn't flop, hand checks. It was a physical game. It was a test of wills. This current era of the NBA has definitely changed a lot. It's more of a shooter era than anything. And I think that if you put those two together under this era, if Jordan didn't get hand checked, and we're, we're playing like the yeah. redeem team. There's, yeah. he's dropping sixty five in his sleep. I think that they would just have a field day. Now, if LeBron's team is playing the nineties era style, yeah, I think they would struggle. I really do. I think that Kobe would still get his points. LeBron would still get his points because they're good. Yeah, yeah. The rest of that team, I'll be honest, I think they would struggle. I think because when you're dealing with the physicality of, of that lineup that the redeem or the mm-hmm. dream team had, yeah. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, they would definitely have some hard fouls. They would put pressure on you. They played solid defense. Mm -hmm. And plus, I think Jordan would just thrive at that challenge. Like, that's the one thing that people don't realize. Oh God, yeah. He would get up for this like nobody's business because he'd be like, "Oh, there
1: are the stories from the practices and all that, just how amped up he was for that." You know, obviously there are no footage, Mm -hmm. you know, but just the stories we've heard about practices. No, and and I have to agree with you. I think it'd be close, but I think it would be the the dream team by maybe like one or two points. And it would be like a last second bucket, you know, because I think you, the LeBrons, like you said, the LeBrons and the Kobe's, you know, and even I think Wade had put in a, a given given the time period of this, you know, this is Dwayne Wade 2000, to be right to that. This is flash 2008 Dwayne Wade. So this is Wade when he was still at his peak, you know, and then even even Dwight Howard, I think, wouldn't contribute much offensively, but I think defensively he might still be pretty decent. But I think you put you put Howard up against pick any of the centers over on the dream team. Ewing, Ewing, Robinson, or even any of the guys down low. You know the power with the power forwards. You know with Malone or Barkley, like Howard might struggle a little bit. You know, but I I, I have to agree with you. I think I'd have to give it to the dream team by like one or two points.
0: Yeah, like I, it just depends on what era style you're playing. Sure, if it's '90s, oh they're they're blown them out by twenty, easy. If it's the if it's the current era. And there's no hand checks. I mean, yeah, I'm going to say they would struggle. It's just because the, the star players you mentioned on the Redeem team would step up. But there's some on that squad that I think I genuinely think would not handle the physicality of the 90s style of basketball. I really don't. I think coming down low with, with you, th- you put down underneath Malone, Barkley, and oh, Ewing. Jesus. Okay, so who realistically on the redeem team is going to hang with those guys driving to the hoop? Not many. Trust me, they're not going to play ISO ball unless you come right down the middle. Not going to happen. And I'm sorry, Jordan would step it up for that. Like I say, he would have record games. But you know, it's debatable. So I love All how right. you br- I love how you brought that up, Pat. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH Pod. Who you taking, redeem team or dream team, and put what era to, Because def- that does play a factor in this completely. So that said, let me close out talking a little all elite wrestling. Uh-oh. Obviously, we open up WWE. Gotta give some love to Tony Khan and everybody down in Jacksonville because obviously they are still putting out some good shows. And Dynamite this past week was okay, not my favorite show of all, but definitely had okay. some definitely had some moments. The Undisputed Elite returned, so Adam Cole. Baby, <laughs> uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly finally did the big turn on the Young Bucks, and now it looks like they're set up for the Trios tournament. And the Bucks are going to reunite with Hangman Adam Page, so you're going to get Elite versus Undisputed Elite. Reasons, yeah. Rest of the card, not a lot to write home about except Orange Cassidy had a had a really good match against Jay Lethal, but the rest of the show kind of went off the rails a little bit. AEW Rampage had something for the internet fans, and I oh, know yeah. I know that this has been a because a topic, and I know that we talked about it on 607TWS, I talked about this at length about Blogs Count kind of Anywhere. And Pat, since we have you now on record, we can kind of ask. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest matches of the weekend was Mance Warner versus John Moxley. Yep. You've seen a lot of the debate about why should I have cared about this, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So... Let me ask you this. Yeah. What was your genuine reaction when you started hearing about this match and you be completely honest about it?
1: I mean, to be completely honest, I've never really seen a match involving Mance Warner, but I've heard the name, you know, and and to me, I was like, oh, okay. you know, it's a guy to plug in. You know, the thing I like with AEW, you know, that they do, unlike WWE was, you know, they'll bring somebody in and and it could be somebody from the indie scene or the local scene and they don't necessarily it's not necessarily a squash fest mm-hmm. you know it's not all local enhancement talent they just bring them in they have a match you know, so I heard I was like, oh, hey, good for him. You know, it's good exposure. You know, it might not lead to an AEW contract, but it could lead to an impact contract. It could lead to an ROH contract or, or a New Japan contract or like just a contract with a bigger federation. So I heard the matchup. I was like, oh, OK, hey, good for him. You're getting featured on an episode of, of AEW, which is broadcast, you know, all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, to to very many households. You know, and, and you're in a title match with one of their biggest stars. Like, it's it's quite possibly the biggest rub you could get from that company.
0: Yeah, I, I was excited about this, but then again, I watch a lot of independent wrestling. And obviously, if you listen to 607 TWS, you know we follow GCW. Mance is a staple at GCW. He's part of one of the biggest factions there, one of the best ones, too, in Second Gear Crew. So to see him take on the GCW world champion, which I loved how GCW actually tweeted that out. I thought was a great thing because the internet fans, which do, AEW does drive their marketing for. Yes Oh or yeah. No? yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. So this was geared up for the internet fans. So for anybody that got really bent out of shape about this, really? Yeah. Like, and if
1: you and if you say they're old, AEW doesn't market their program towards the internet wrestling fans. I'm sorry, the Undisputed Elite, which is basically the fucking Bullet Club without the name.
0: Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, and and, and this is what AEW does. So, I mean, either you love it or you hate it. They gear towards the IWC. That's fine. But if you're going to really try breaking through and raising your ratings because that's one thing that you really live and die about, you have to go to the pop culture audience. That's what WWE does better than anybody. Love it or Uh hate it, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. But for bringing Mance on the show, and like I say, I, I really went into a deep dive about this on the blog. This was a great move to get yeah. internet fans to check your product out. That would, I And I know for a fact there was dozens mm-hmm. of fans that hit me up yeah. and said, I'm actually watching Rampage this week because Mance is on. Sure. Because we know Mance from MLW, but we all know him from GCW. He cut two great promos, which they actually aired, so he sure. might be doing more work for him. But you listen, more power to him if that's sure. what he wants to do. But I thought that this was a watchable card. Yeah. And then, I mean, I – the rest of the show was kind of eh, after that. Yeah. Battle of the belts was okay. Yeah. Not great in my opinion. I thought the Thunder Rosa Jamie Hader match was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Wardlow, Jay Lethal, Forgettable, and the um Claudio Tashida. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I thought it was it was solid for what it needed to be. Sure. Did not like seeing a missed uh frog splash that did not clear. Sure um sorry that was just bad so i really for being a special it didn't really do a lot for me so a lot of work has to be done to catch up in my opinion with wwe's hype right now they have going but it's not to say that it's completely out of the realm of thought because they do have a pretty good on paper card set up for this wednesday for all the wrestling's dynamite uh jade cargo is taking on madison rain who's just signed on with the company she's Uh, Impact Knockouts Legends, so she's definitely going to add some value to that uh, division. She's, And I think they'll have a really good match going on. The Lucha Brothers are taking on Andrade and Roosh, so that'll be a fun match. And then you have Brody King and Darby Allen in a coffin match. Hmm. So take it for what it is. I think Darby's going to get really, really messed up in this. I hope not. I'm really stressing this, but I know that he likes to go all out for these kind of matches, so I'm, I'm really kind of worried about that. And the main event is John Moxley versus Chris Jericho too. So, a lot of stuff going on with this. FTR is coming back. So definitely, if you're an AEW fan, there's a lot to be excited about for your brand. So you know, focus on that. Don't be so worried about what everybody else is doing. And listen, if if GCW fans or internet fans want to come out for Rampage, applaud them for it because you know what, they're giving eyes to your product. You don't have to sit there and complain about it. Or if you're a WWE fan and you know it's not your cup of java, go get another cup of coffee somewhere else. Yeah. Listen, just be a fan and enjoy the shows. That's what we say with that. So for AEW, definitely check it out. I'll probably be live tweeting on Wednesday night, so definitely interact, and then we can talk about the shows as we watch live. But that all being said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition was Brian Wolfe. Hey. Now, Brian just blew through town. Yes, he did. In a very, very quick flash. He's got a new EP out, and we definitely like to promote it. But, Pat, if people want to find out about Brian, where do they go?
1: odphpodcast.com.
0: Right on. You swing on over to the music section of the website. You can check out all the amazing groups that you hear on the shows each and every week, from Second to Tom Jello, Yard Party, Shot of the Robots. Floodlands, the list goes on and on and on. We have a lot of great bands we play on here. So you definitely want to go support the hell out of all of them, especially Second Suitor going the Suter Slam 2 going Uh on at the uh, the X this weekend. Hey, Sorry, coming up this so fast. Yeah. So definitely if you're in the 607, you want to go check them out. Go follow them on social media. They'll guide you in the right direction with that. Also, while you're at the website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs drop in, and like I touched upon, new blogs count anywhere is out right now where I did a little more deep dive about Mance vs. Moxley, talked a little GCW homecoming. Impact Wrestling has a really good show on this weekend that not a lot of people are talking about. But when you see the card, you will definitely be interested in that one. Hmm. Guarantee you. Uh, also at the website, check out the Classified section, which has friends of the show like 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, Voter Registration, and 607 Podcast, to just name a few. Also, we have the directory. Now, Pat, how many providers are we on now? Uh, 88,000. Damn, we are flying through that right now. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know where you're listening to the ODPH from, and we'll see what we can make it happen. We'll put the player right on there. So we can't make it any more easier for you to follow, like, drop a five-star for the ODPH than we do right there on the directory. All of that, the T Public Store, and like we said, sale is going to be going on, so if you want to get some ODPH swag. Last sale that happened, we definitely sold some units, so definitely shout out to everybody who supported it. A lot of Parlay Club shirts went out this week, Pat. Nice. Love it one, so let's hope we do it again. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the only, Pat and Juan Stay mid, and fuck the Astros. <laughs> I'm your host, Ken M., Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
2: I'm gonna be down to the punch. I'm gonna be down to the punch. Cause they can't bring me down if I'm already under the ground. I'm gonna try to make them laugh. I'm gonna try to about me They're judging only by what they can see This behavior goes way back